The Lord be with you. A reading from the conclusion of the Holy Gospel according to John. Peter turned and saw the disciple following whom Jesus loved, the one who had also reclined upon his chest during the supper and had said, Master, who is the one who will betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Jesus said to him, What if I want him to remain until I come? What concern is it of yours? You follow me. So the word spread among the brothers that that disciple would not die. But Jesus had not told him that he would not die, just, What if I want him to remain until I come? What concern is it of yours? It is this disciple who testifies to these things and has written them, and we know that his testimony is true. There are also many other things that Jesus did, but if these were to be described individually, I do not think the whole world would contain the books that would be written. The Gospel of the Lord. I always laugh at this, um, at this part of the gospel because there's a part of me that just wants to sum it up as Jesus saying, like, in summary, mind your business. <laughs> it's kind of what he's saying in a lot of ways. You know, because you see that exchange. Of course, it's, it's amazing that John is writing, and of course, his own gospel, that he's writing about himself in that situation. You know, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he's writing that, that about himself. Um, but in that part, and it's kind of an amazing thing, but, you know, we, we often, I, and I really do say often, get concerned about what other people are doing. Even, even in the spiritual life, we get really concerned what other people are doing, and then Jesus is like, mind your business, keep your eyes on the prize. You know, like, if you were busy following me, then it really wouldn't matter what everybody else is doing. And so you need to be busy following me and focusing on me instead of what everybody else is doing. And there's a great temptation of that. Um, you know, a lot of times, sometimes people might describe it as like spiritual pride. It's, it's difficult though. You know, if you have a lot of people who are Catholic, a lot of people who are spiritual, and you surround yourself by those people, there could be a real temptation that like, oh, that person is more devoted than me, that person is more this than me, and we start kind of keeping spiritual score. It, you know, it's really bad in the seminary, as you might imagine, when many, many men are pursuing, you know, holiness, and then sometimes it seems like a race, <laughs> and in a lot of ways. And uh, we have to remind ourselves to not get caught up in that. If, if those of you who remember in the Litany of Humility, there's one really amazing line in there that said, Lord, that others become holier than me, provided that I may become as holy as I should be. That's really a surrender to the Lord's will. That's saying that there are others that may be holier than me, and I should absolutely wish that everybody be as holy as they possibly can, provided that I'm as holy as I'm supposed to be within your will in this life. You know, always kind of shooting to be the, the best that I can. 
that others may be elevated above me. That really is the way of Christ. Again, remember that he came to serve and not to be served, that he elevates others as much as possible. And um, we just have to remind ourselves of that constantly because there's a great temptation, like I said, to keep, to keep score in a way. There was something in my mind about that, and now I'm kind of forgetting, forgetting what it was. But, uh, oh yeah, this is, I was at somebody's wedding, and the maid of honor was making a speech, and she had said when she had first met the couple that was getting married, that had just gotten married that day, that um, she had seen them praying together in, in the church before Mass, or something like that. And, and her thought was, oh my gosh, we would never be friends. Look how holy she is. Because it was like the couple was like holding each other's hands and praying or something like that. And then of course, they became like best friends. And she never really realized that just because like she observed that moment that not everything about her life was that moment. <laughs> you know, that moment of holiness. So sometimes people see us praying and think like, oh my goodness, that person must be just like off the charts holy or something like that. And if you were able to speak, you'd probably be like, if you only knew, <laughs> you know, you know, my life. But, uh, but it's a great reminder, reminder to us. And, and one thing that, that is amazing to me, because we heard recently just the conclusion of the chapter of uh, the Gospel of Mark, and now we hear the conclusion of the Gospel of John. In that conclusion, I was talking to another, another couple that, um, you know, one of the things that had happened, there was a discussion about Protestant theology versus Catholic theology and different things like that. And then um, and the Protestant had said something to the effect of, well, that's not in the Bible or that's not in the scripture. And so we have this great reminder right here in the scripture, in the gospel. There are also many other things that Jesus did. But if these were to be described individually, I do not think the whole world would contain the books that would be written. So we absolutely know that there are things that Jesus told the disciples and passed down to them and that he did that are a part of his life, that are a part of his teaching, but he doesn't, they're not all recorded. It's a great reminder that the Bible itself tells us that not everything is recorded. So not everything will be found within its text. We need to know that. That is why we have sacred tradition. That's why we say tradition and scripture. These things work in tandem together. Um, today we also celebrate a great saint, Saint Rita of Kasha, and so she grew up in um, the Umbria region, kind of near uh, Saint Francis of Assisi, near Assisi in Umbria, so some of you have probably visited Assisi for sure. But uh, Saint Rita is known as the patron of impossible situations similar to Saint Jude in many ways. She had like basically an absolute tyrant for a husband, and um, and he died like some sort of a violent death. And uh, one of the things that was sort of common in that day was like the vendetta, you know, to get vengeance against those who had, you know, had killed, um, you know, one of your family members. But she convinced her sons and, you know, the other men of the family to not do that, to not, you know, be violent, to not seek vengeance because of the husband's death. And then from then on, you know, she, she went on to continue to, to live a very holy life and, um, and continue to try to raise her sons as, you know, God-fearing people. But so she's known uh, not only as the patron saint of impossible situations, but also for those that have had difficulty in their marriages, abusive marriages, and different things like that. And then she's also known by um, 
having kind of a partial stigmata, like a wound that appeared in her, in her um, forehead, uh, pierced by one of the thorns of Christ's uh, crown of thorns. And so she's truly a great saint. So if, I, I would say for any of you that find yourself in difficult or impossible situations, never forget great saints like St. Rita, those that show absolute perseverance, just as we hear about St. Paul showed in the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, because when we bring those saints into our lives as friends, you'll be, you'll be shocked at how they enlighten us with certain things. And they kind of help keep us grounded, and they walk with us in, in our great difficulties at times. God bless you all today.